Real Life Conversations is a new podcast focusing on biblical discussions for Christian life. Please note that this podcast involves discussions with individuals from different backgrounds, denominations, and different spiritual walks of life. These conversations are not designed to put denominational stakes in the ground. Rather, these conversations are to help others pursue God, grow in understanding of the Bible, walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and experience real life change. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please email reallifeconversations at myelevationcc.org. Well, hello and welcome to episode five of Real Life Conversations. Biblical discussions for the Christian life. We are conversing around the topic of worship, why we worship, what is worship, how we worship, and so on. I'm excited to introduce to you our special guest for episode five, Spencer Robinette. Welcome, my brother. Hey, man. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Could you just give a short bio of what you do and yeah. how, how how you're connected to Elevation Community Church? Yeah, absolutely. So currently I uh, pastor a church in the Cincinnati area. I'm a worship leader there, uh, teaching pastor. But it's good, man. It's it's really good. We, um, My wife and I started uh, there about four years ago. Prior to that, we um, planted a church in downtown Cincinnati, and then prior to that, I was on staff here at Elevation with you, yeah. and uh, so we've been connected for a long time. And I've uh, I've known Spencer Robinette since he was in high school. Um, That's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. So around 2006. Yeah. And so uh, we're connected uh, through your father. Yeah. And to you and your family, our condolences for the loss of your dad uh, about a year ago uh six be, months uh, it was right. december christmas. yeah yeah christmas so um, i appreciate that though yeah absolutely love your dad and he has impacted more people than i think we will ever know on this yeah. side of heaven. yeah so um you know it's interesting when i went to your dad's church and felt called into worship ministry and it was through your dad's ministry that i started to learn what worship really yeah. is so it's really cool now being able yeah. to talk to his son and my my good friend yeah and uh you're a worship leader and so it's it's going to be really really fun to uh, kind of dive into the heart of worship yeah absolutely i'm excited so you were able to be a part of the experience of what happened a little bit ago at asbury do you want to tell us about it and then we'll kind of like let this guide us into the talk on worship yeah absolutely so um it's actually pretty wild uh so my good friend uh is the one who god used to kind of help kickstart what people have called the asbury revival uh he is a chaplain at asbury university and spoke a lot of uh, you know preached a lot at their their chapel services and those types of things and it just felt like a random wednesday morning zach even says it probably was one of the worst sermons he's ever given in his life <laughs> and it's now the the message that's all over the world going all over the world as the one that kickstarted this revival um, but because of my relationship with zach i got a call about a week into the three-week revival that that took place there and he basically was like man our college student campus-led worship team is exhausted 
because they had been going 24-7 for a full week. And he was like, they're just exhausted. And so he started calling some of his friends and buddies, whoever he could think of, to come help kind of continue to, to lead worship and cultivate uh, the type of environment, you know, that they felt God was leading them to steward. And um, so, yeah, I got the call to, to go down and, and myself and, and one of our good friends, Lainey, she went down with me and we, we got to lead worship. I think in total of the Wednesday that I was there, um, probably led for almost three, three and a half, four hours uh, yeah. of of just singing and worship with a, a room full of people hungry for what God was doing. And man, it was beautiful. Uh, it opened my eyes to a lot, you know, some of which I think we'll get into here more deeply in a moment. But I'm, I'm just thankful to have been a part of the experience and, and uh, part of what God did over those three weeks and that we're continuing to see the fruit of today. Was there a tangible difference in what you experienced in those three to five hours compared to other worship services you've been a part of? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think I'll just tell you my experience. I don't want to make this like overly spiritual and charismatic and freak people out because that's not at all what this was. And God moves differently. We were just talking before the podcast, real quick, just a rabbit trail of it can be a dangerous thing when everyone kind of jumps on board with what God is doing in a specific town on a specific college campus. And we try to then take it to every bit of area that we have influence on and fit that mold. And almost artificially recreate it. Yeah. When it might not be, you know, what God had ordained for that. So, so yeah, for Asbury, yeah, you, you walk in the, doors of the chapel there and you just hit a wall of God's presence you know something that something that I've experienced tangibly experienced like in my own personal life in different seasons but it was yeah you walk in you hit this wall of God's presence and then you immediately just felt peace purity is a word that's often used mm. um in, in describing it humility like the the room was just filled with with humility and yeah you could you could feel it tangibly i don't know how else to describe it you know some would say it felt like almost like a haze or a weight right, right. over the place and but there was no special effects yeah. there was no like crazy sound setup no it was no very even as simple yeah even as one of the worship leaders you walked on stage and you just that dude in front of you unplugged his guitar and you plugged yours right in and you just went. You didn't have a 30-minute sound check? No 30-minute sound check. No, nothing. Yeah, man. Even a quick backstory to that, it's like, so I showed up on that Wednesday morning and Zach's introduced me or led me to the the girl that was helping organize the worship leader part of each day. And that that's the other thing too, real quick. I know we're all over the place, <laughs> but I was one of... 30 different random nobody worship leaders that led that day, which is ultimately incredibly beautiful because we showed up and I got connected with the the girl that was, was putting it on, that was helping organize the day. And she was like, whenever uh, we have a moment that needs to be filled, I'll just shoot you a text and have you come back to this spot. And they, um, they prayed over you. And, and then you, they send you on stage. 
the way that that actually worked was I got the text probably about, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour after I, we had been there. We were just a part of the environment. We weren't hiding in a green room. I mean, you wanted to be out with everybody, right? You wow. wanted to be where God was moving and working in the midst of this, of the four walls of this chapel. And, and uh, you weren't the main thing that people were there to see. No, my which gosh, is no. sometimes different than a Christian event, Absolutely, right? yeah. So, yeah, so... Um, I got a text, went back to the back, and they pulled Lainey and I in a room with three other people that we had never met before, and they prayed over us, and they said, all right, go have fun, and literally, I walked on, it was, I was leading with an acoustic guitar, there was another guy who was a a piano player, and as we were walking on stage, I had met him and known him for less than a minute. As we were walking on stage, I said, like, do you want to lead and I'll follow? He was like, no, I don't sing. So you lead and I'll follow. And I was like, well, let's, I guess, start in the key of C. So he, he and I walked up, started in the key of C. I started playing something like out of goodness of God or something like that. No chord charts, no lyrics, no nothing. And for two hours, we just mm. sang and led and there were moments where we just played and there was no singing because God was doing something. The spirit was moving and the, a speaker would come up and, and share a word or somebody would come up and pray. or um, And we were just there to kind of help continue to facilitate that heart, that posture of worship as musicians. So and, let me ask you this then from, from a leader of worship. There weren't any song lyrics on the screen? No song lyrics on the screen okay. for us or for the audience. <laughs> okay. So I think, you know. There was no confidence monitor. There was no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or timer. Or there was no like timer. That. Right. You know, what's interesting is there's there's nothing wrong with structure. No. I think it's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And God is a God of organization. Right. And, and, and structure and, and not of chaos and confusion. But there's something about in our American culture yeah. when we don't have what we get comfortable and familiar with, it almost strips us out of what we're used to doing, like right. lyrics on the screen. Right. I think some people, if we don't understand really what worship is and we don't do it throughout our daily lives, right. we rely on music, a leader, and some lights and the lyrics. Right. So let me ask you, looking out of the people worshiping, what was worship like when they didn't have lyrics? Yeah, so it's interesting because, again, okay, so for example— the song Great Are You Lord. It's your breath and our lung. That song was probably sang a hundred times that okay. day by the thirty sure, different sure, worship sure. leaders that because what we what we were trying to accomplish was you know, we didn't wanna we didn't wanna kill <laughs> you know, you do get a you get in your head a little bit, right? You're trying to, to worship right you know, fully abandoned, but you get in your head as worship leaders a little bit. And so we did, you know, the piano player and I, as we were, were trying to pick what songs we were going to next or where we were moving, whatever. We, we were aware of trying to pick songs intentionally that the majority of the room might know. And they were, you know, facilitating in new people about every two or three hours. You know, the room was sure. different, right? So, right? so there were different people. There were different, because there were thousands of people in lines outside waiting to get in. 
And so they were facilitating moving people in and out pretty regularly. So, you know, the, a song like Great Are Your Lord could be sung a hundred different times that day, and it would hit different ears every time, new ears okay. every time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we were aware of that. But with that being said, though, there was still a level of like, I'm going to worship myself, right? And just invite people into that space. And God facilitated the exchange. Wow. Yeah. So let's beautiful. let's look at the definitions of worship. And I, I want to kind of take that as our lens yeah. and see if what you experienced at Asbury kind of fits that lens. Because yeah. from what you and I have shared and the stories I've heard, yeah. it was people responding to God's greatness and the weight of his presence. Yeah. And I think it's such a beautiful thing that first starts with the posture of our heart. Right. Then genuinely comes out of that posture in an outward or external expression. The Hebrew definition for worship is shaka, and it means to bow. And Mm. then there's other derivatives from that word that have a little different connotation, like For instance, Psalm 95 says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. So you have the posture of our heart bowed low and God exalted high. Then you have the bow, which is a physical to literally kneel to drink from the waters of salvation, which is interesting because Jesus was talking about water and drinking. Yeah. of salvation. So that's a whole other podcast for another day. Yeah, absolutely. But then the third one is to kneel to abundantly bless. Wow. So that can be physical or uh, from a heart posture. Right. So that is to bow, to surrender, to come low, to pay homage, to prostrate oneself right. low before God. The Greek word for worship, the main one, is proskuneo, and it means to kiss, just like a dog would lick his master's hand. Right. So then it means to adore, to embrace, to come as you're giving a gift of an offering, and to bring reverence and surrender. Mm. So the words that you mentioned when you described Asbury was peace, purity, and humility. Right. People not just singing because they're prompted on the screen. No. People at the altar, people on their face, people standing, people sitting, people walking. Yeah. And what what would you say just seemed to be the theme of what you were experiencing? Thanksgiving. Uh there's a study being done by scientists where the the same part of your brain that processes anxiety and the part of your brain that processes thanksgiving can't work simultaneously which feels god ordained (laughs) yeah in that you know when scripture says today is the day lord has made let us rejoice like i will rejoice i'm gonna choose to rejoice and be glad in it we have the option of either being overwhelmed by our anxious thoughts and the chaos of the world around us or giving praise, Mm -hmm. adoration, and thanksgiving from a place of humility, which is where the purity piece comes in, I think, is is like nobody was there expecting something. They weren't there, you know, for for selfish 
or prideful reasons. I was not there to lead worship to get any recognition. Quite frankly, I honestly believe because of that, just the the tangible presence in that space, like the people that were there for those reasons were made aware and ushered out. Like it was, the room was left pure. And they were very clear as far as the administration, correct me if I'm wrong, of people who came in with a motive to want to speak or to lead worship. Absolutely. It was silenced immediately. Yeah. And what's cool is you even had, again, you know, Zach, the guy that sort of really from the top helped organize and steward this whole thing as a good friend of mine you know, said he was getting direct messages on Instagram from like big name Christian speakers, authors, worship leaders, pastors. And what was beautiful is they weren't saying, hey, I'm coming to Asbury. Can I get stage time? They were saying, hey, I'm coming. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm just going to sit and take it in. Or like, for example, Obviously, I didn't like didn't get to meet him. Our paths didn't cross or anything. But Louis Giglio was there just a, a few hours before I showed up. He was there through the night on that Tuesday evening into Wednesday. He posted about it and stuff, and he was just sitting, you wow. know, in the pews, right, taking it in. And it's like so there was an understanding that what was happening did not need to be organized from the top leaders. Like this was not something that was artificially created by Christian bigwigs, right, in our culture that made, you know, something happen. This was a a small town in Kentucky that most people probably have never heard of. Sure. A, A fairly small Christian college that most people have probably never heard of. A faith bent that does not often ascribe themselves to deep charismatic expressions. And yet God still did what he did there. Like this was all God, right? And this was, so Zach calls it, a lot of people are calling it the the Asbury revival. Zach calls it the Asbury outpouring. (laughs) As, As leaders at Asbury, they were trying to steward this as an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, leaving room for him to do whatever he wanted to do. Yeah, because I think when you deem something revival, right, you have to have evidence and markers, right? Right. Uh, and, and again, it drives me crazy too that everyone wants to police it right, and say whether it is or whether it is, isn't. Yeah. And it, that's a totally another podcast as well. But there's something to be said about lives being changed yeah. where God's presence is. And that looks different from place to place size to size of, of groups of people. Right. But I think only time will tell right. the long-term impact, right. which is one of the markers of revival, right. is long-term impact that this carries on and that there's fruit of it for right. generations to come. Absolutely. Yeah, and so I think coming back to the that whole scientific study, uh, anxiety and Thanksgiving, like the room was filled with people that... From purity in their heart and a posture of humility, they were just ready to receive and they were ready to pour out their thanksgiving on the God that they believe can do all things. All things. And it, again, like you, that's what you felt, you mm. know? And sure, you know, there were people that got saved. Sure, there were people that got healed. You know, there were all these other kind of cool, crazy things that God did out of his generosity 
focal point was Jesus. The focal point was not necessarily those things. This was not, yeah, I could go down that road for a while, but yeah, dude, it was, it was special. And, And here's the thing too. I've never experienced what I did at Asbury at that scale before. You know, this was, there was, the room was filled with a few thousand people. And you can imagine just with with the environment that we're talking about and the, the the atmosphere of the room with a few thousand people like that's like it's powerful. It is hard, if not impossible, to artificially recreate that just from like an experience perspective. But what's cool is and what my challenge to our local church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and to individuals and like I have experienced what I felt there in other places right. on smaller scales, on in living rooms, in my own prayer closet, in one on one conversations I'm having with somebody, you know, going through hell. Whatever it may be, like God in his generosity wants to outpour his spirit on us regularly. The difference or the peace that is often missed by us in our everyday lives is the posture of humility Hmm. and a genuine desire to just have God move and do what only he can do in our lives. It's almost like we say, God, I believe in you. I worship you. I'm thankful for you. I want you to come and move, but I'm not actually going to create any space for you to do it. Wow. (laughs) And... I think if we could learn how to truly surrender ourselves, truly humble ourselves, truly allow... Jesus was tempted by Satan and was given the option of dominion, of rule, of reign without the cross. Yeah. But he knew that in order for God to truly do what he had ordained him to fulfill, Jesus knew he had to go through the crushing. He had to go through the pain. He had to go to the cross. He had to ultimately humble himself in order to see salvation come for humanity. And I think on an everyday scale, we as believers, we still have to have that everyday laying down of of our life, sacrificing our own life to create space to continue to posture ourselves before God, to have him pour out his spirit in our lives in the way he wants to. As you were talking, that's so good. It made me think of the scripture that says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Right. There had to have been some sort of overwhelming joy and purpose yeah. for Jesus to endure that temptation not just his temptation, but the garden of Gethsemane when now it's reality. Right. When now the weight of anxiety and all anguish is on our Savior. Right. To the point where he's sweating drops of blood. Right. There had to have been some divine joy and purpose that led him to fulfill the prophecies of the cross. Right. That's where joy yeah. changes everything yeah what do you think on that yeah i love it i love the song that says fear is not my future you are <laughs> sickness is not my story you are heartbreaks not my home, home. You, you are, are. you know and it's just a reminder of we we can we can trust him like does <laughs> does that feel hard <laughs> like no. we like we can trust him right we can we can put our faith in him and and we can believe, like, I mean, I've often prayed for God to move, 
but do I really believe he's going to do what I'm praying for? Like those are two different things. Yeah. If we could begin to posture ourselves in a place of in, in the midst of our desperation, in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our anxiety, uh, we, like, we need the creator of it all to enter into that equation, right? We, yeah. we need that. Again, that's what led us to Jesus in the first place. Right. If all of us are being honest, the reason we need Jesus is because we cannot do this life on our own, period. Right. We have no hope. We have no hope, period. And so in every step of the way, and it is hard. Like, you know, I'm a, as we, as we shared at the beginning, uh, you know, my dad passed away this, this past December. I'm six, seven months out from that. And I have had the, the hardest days in my relationship with Jesus mm. and some of the best days in my relationship with Jesus in that he gave me permission to not be okay, to be angry, to be vulnerable, to be raw. And as I entered into that, I said things to Jesus and had real thoughts and feelings of Jesus in my anger that I never thought I would be able to feel because of how good I know he is, mm. because of how good he is. And, and yet it was in the midst of that anger, that frustration, you know, the things I said to him that I wish I could take back. All I received was grace and kindness and love and sympathy. And I've been there. I get it. And, and you're still just, on the road. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and this is a daily, <laughs> you know, it's a daily journey and often a daily battle between God and I. But but it's those places that like, and Phil, you, neither you or I have this figured out, right? But so we're not trying to speak as people that do. Correct. But it's in the midst of those places that if you could just try and say, you know, God, I don't get it. You know, God, I might even think you did this wrong, but I I know that you work all things for my good. I know that you are still faithful and always have been. I know that your ways are greater, higher. They may be mysterious. I may not understand them, but I'm going to praise you anyways. Hmm. You know, and I think it's in those places when you posture yourself in that way that you start to see real breakthrough in areas of your life that you need him to move, right? And so, yeah, I, again, I don't have it all figured out. Every day is different and difficult, but my experience at Asbury was special, and I, and I appreciate the the opportunity to experience what I did there because it's shaped the way I think about worship now differently. And I think the, the last challenge for me would be genuine biblical humility and surrender is the key to unlocking what God wants to do in your life. Mm. Can you say that again? Ultimate surrender and humility, biblical humility is the key to unlocking what God wants to do in your life. I mean, you look at Second Chronicles, you know, and sometimes the church takes those verses out of context, but God's like, if, like I will heal your land if what? You pray. Pray. Seek my face. Seek my face. Turn, and turn, turn from, from your wicked ways, ways and humble yourself. Humble yourself, yeah. Well, again, y- yours and my favorite scripture we share a little bit, uh, Zechariah 4, 6. Mm. It's not by your might. It's not by... Your, your power, power, but it's by my spirit. That's right. humility. Absolutely. First Peter five says, humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God. And in right. due season, when you are low enough, right. he will lift you up. Right. I mean, Philippians two talks about the humility of Jesus. That's right. it. That's right. the key that unlocks it all. And have that mind. 
Philippians 2, 5, have that mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's that expression, and I've been wrecked by, and I can't take credit for it, but Lainey, the, the, the lady we've been talking about, her husband, Daniel, who we also both know well. Um, shout out to Daniel shout Yelverton. Shout out to Daniel Yelverton. And Lainey. <laughs> is the one who shared that idea, that thought of Jesus being t- in his temptation. Mm. and that being the ultimate form of humility and what ultimately led him to the cross on our behalf. Like that's truth, that understanding, that recognition of humility in Jesus, again, as reflected in Philippians 2, and that's changed everything for me. And again, when you start to to really take a look at in, in Scripture and in your own life, all of these, all of the different ways where you've seen Jesus in His humanity humble Himself on your behalf, it's hard not to worship that. Yeah. It's hard not to praise Him for that. Yeah, we might not understand it all. We might not have it all figured out. We might not, but like we can always again trust that He's good. He's faithful. He's God, and He's carrying us. This is so good, and I hope our listeners are so encouraged by the things that were brought up. More than likely, there's people listening that are just going through loss and times of struggle. Yeah. And so I think knowing that they're not alone and knowing that there is hope that is actually found in worshiping Jesus is a yeah. beautiful thing. And I think religion tells us that you have to be a specific way and a specific attitude, and you must be worshiping in a specific Right. Environment. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Not at all. Jesus says, my father is looking for people who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're in the best place of your life and you've arrived. Yeah. That actually means we have nothing if we don't have Jesus. Right. And honestly, it's the hardest times that remind us of that. Right. Yep. Well, Spencer, will you please come back sometime? Absolutely. I would love to have you. And uh, thank you again, listeners, for joining in. If you have any questions or prayer requests, uh, please email Real Life Conversations at myelevationcc.org. God bless you. And we'll see you again for episode six of Real Life Conversations. <laughs>